church. She serves as a volunteer facilitator at the School of Ministry. She's been a member of Abundant Living since 2009, along with her husband, uh, Kurt Duncan Jr. They have two children, Naomi and Kurt III, and they are little cutie pies. Yes, they are. Janine grew up in the Church of God in Christ, where her mother kept her active in the children's ministry. And boy, did she have a mother. Her mother was like none other. I mean, I actually knew her mother. Many of us knew her mother. And everything she said about her mother was true. She is something else. And particularly the thing that got me, I'm going to drop, you know, I'm coming back to this. But yesterday she was talking about she and her brothers and sisters, I guess, were arguing in the car. And her mother stopped the car, got out, and started walking around the car praying. Who does that? Uh, Lois Moore does that. Her mother was really something else. And, she, and Janine said, whatever you saw her in public, she was exactly the same way in private. It was awesome. Okay, now let's see where I was. Uh, her mother kept her active in children's ministry, purity class, and the youth department. Janine received the Lord into her life at the age of five years old. It's about the same thing, same time that I did. Uh, and was filled with the Holy Ghost at age six, 15. I was 16 when I was filled with the Holy Ghost. Her ministry experience includes Roman Road outreach training, prison ministry, Sunday school teacher, youth leader, youth chair lady for the San Bernardino region, youth department, administrative assistant to the state women's convention workshops, vice president of the junior aspiring missionaries, wow, and high school and college Bible study teacher. She has an anointing for the young people for sure. Janine earned a master's degree in education at Cal State San Bernardino, a bachelor's in sociology with a minor in African American history from the University of California, Irvine, where she received a full athletic scholarship basketball scholarship. She can play some basketball, we hear, and I am coming to see you coach. Um, let's see. From 2014 to 2019, she's coaching the, bas the girls' basketball program. She's received the Making of a different Award, Difference Award, and her students and parents recognize her personal commitment, dedication, and performance as an educator. Janine is committed to an uncompromising gospel in these compromising times. Her highest desire is for God to get all the glory out of her life. Her mission statement for ministry flows from Matthews 28, 19, and 20. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the world. And that is something that we can rest on whenever you're going through, that God is with you and he will never leave you. After the choir has revved us up again, <laughs> praise God, please stand and give a rousing, warm welcome to none other, Sister Janine, Horton Duncan. God bless you. Has he been good to you? I don't know. Has he been good to you? They said, help me lift him up. Help me lift him up. Help me lift him up. 
Hallelujah. 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 God, you've been better than good to me. 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 And I lift you. I exalt you. I give you the praise. I give you the glory. I give you the honor. It belongs to no one but you. You are King of Kings. You are Lord of Lords. You are my master. You are my savior. You are my Lord. You are my king. You are my keeper. You are my protector. You're the sustainer of my mind. You're my hope in sorrow. You're my joy for tomorrow. And I lift you up. I lift you up. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. I'm not going to let it go. I want this to catch on. I want this to catch on because it's in your praise. It's in your praise. You've got to open up your mouth and give God the glory and give him honor. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Jesus. Glory to your name. Glory to your name. There is none like him in all the earth. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to Jesus. Bless your name, Jesus. We honor your name, God. We honor your name. Your name is high above the earth. Glory to you, Jesus. There is none like you, God. We appreciate you. We thank you that we can gather together in your name to come and worship and to learn and to grow in your word. Father, I pray that you would hide me behind the cross, that no flesh would glory in your sight. But God, you are my strength. You are my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. God, you know the needs of your people. And I pray, God, that you would speak through me. In Jesus' name, amen. You may have your seat. I give honor to God, who, of course, is the head of my life. He's been good to me. God has been good to me. And I don't have time to tell you what that fully means, but he's been good. I don't know who's sitting in here. You may have, it might have been some real hardness for you to just get up and muster up enough strength to walk into this house. But I promise you, if you open up your mouth and you begin to thank God for just letting you walk through that door. He can move in that and begin to touch you and do that thing in your life. He's been certainly good to me. I want to give honor to the pastor, Pastor Gridiron and Lady G. Y'all have a fancy first lady, y'all. She is beautiful. And I have a new uh, mentor 
the, the lady said yesterday, they're seasoned young adults. You don't call them old people or mothers, you call them seasoned adults. And so, thank God, I have some, a new seasoned young adult in my life. Amen. Thank you for this opportunity. Uh, we're going to go to the word of the Lord. Your theme, wake up church. Wake up church. It's time to rule and reign over the power of darkness by one Jesus Christ. And the text comes from Romans 13 verses 11 and 12, Romans 5, uh, 17, and Ephesians 2, 1, 4 through 6. Uh, Romans, uh, both Romans and Ephesians were uh, authored by the Apostle Paul. And looking at some of the background in Romans, uh, it was a letter to the believers, both letters that he wrote to uh, the Ephesians and to the Romans were letters to the Christians, uh, to the believers there in those um, places. Now, Paul, in looking at his letter to the Romans, he writes to those believers about A.D. 57 from Corinth as he was preparing to visit, um, visit to Jerusalem. Paul had just finished his work in the east, and he planned to visit Rome on his way to Spain after first bringing a collection to Jerusalem for the poor Christians there. The Roman church was mostly Jewish, but also contained a great number of Gentiles. Paul heard about the church at Rome, but he had not yet been there, nor had any other apostles. Evidently, the church in Rome was started by Jews who had come to faith at Pentecost, according to Acts 2. They spread the gospel on their return to Rome, and the church grew. The blueprint of the letter of Romans can be viewed in two parts. The first 11 chapters deals with what we as Christians believe, our faith, our doctrine. And the second part um, is how we are to behave, how we are to conduct ourselves. Paul gives clear practical guidelines for believers in Rome. The Christian life is not abstract theology unconnected with life, but it has practical implications that will affect how we choose to behave each day. It is not enough merely to know the gospel. We must let it transform our lives and let God impact every aspect of our lives. Romans chapter 13, verse 11 and 12 reads in the King James Version, and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. 
The amplified version reads, do this knowing that this is a critical time. It is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency. For our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in Christ. The night, this present evil age, is almost gone and the day of Christ's return is almost here. So let us fling away the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Awake, wake up, wake up. You cannot afford to be sleep as it is dangerous to the health, strength, and safety of your spiritual man. We've got to wake up. We can't afford to be spiritually complacent. The religions in, uh, that was native to Roman in Ephesus was paganistic. Roman religion merged the best features of several religions. They believed that impersonal spirits of natural powers inhabited such natural objects as trees, streams, and earth. They believed these spirits affected one's personal life for good or evil. While in Ephesus, part of its prominence came from its religious beliefs. The Temple of Diana at Ephesus ranked as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Diana was the daughter of Zeus and was known as the moon goddess. Like Rome and Ephesus, our world today has a misconception of God and shares in some of these paganistic views. They believe right is wrong and wrong is right. They believe that God has no standard, that he accepts us as, as is and that he doesn't require us to change. They can, you can give into your fleshy desires as he created us and things for, excuse me, you can give into your fleshly desires and all the things that he created in us and for us uh, that we can do. So uh, the, the, the misconception, I, I want to stop and kind of deal with just where we are in our world today. Talking about the church waking up and not being spiritually complacent. Our world is in trouble. And more importantly, as the church, we're a reflection of how wicked and how evil our, our world is. Because we are the light of the world. We have to wake up. We cannot become so consumed with our day-to-day -day that God becomes a non-factor in our lives. Sometimes we are uh, busy with our day-to-day. -day. We wake up, we have work, we have our children, we have all these responsibilities, and the one thing that gets pushed out is God. He is no longer a priority or sits where he should sit, which is at the head of your life. We've got to wake up because the problem with that is you don't, you are spiritually weak. You are spiritually vulnerable. You are spiritually uh, can be blindsided by the attacks of the enemy. Life is hard already. Life is a challenge already. 
Whether you have Christ or not, it is a challenge already. You have several responsibilities where you need the wisdom and the knowledge and the power and the strength of the word to guide you and to tell you what to do and to show you what to do. The church has to wake up. We have to put God back into his rightful place where he belongs. We should spend our, our, the beginning of our day, the beginning of our day should be spent in the presence of the Lord. It's no way you can start, you should be able to start your day and go without him and be successful and be productive and then ready for the challenges that life is going to hand you for that day. The Bible instructs us, it says, to awake from spiritual complacency, and it says to cast off the works of darkness. Cast off the works of darkness. We live in an evil day. Now, he's writing to Christian believers, and he tells them to cast off, fling, throw away the works of darkness. What are the works of darkness? You got jealousy. You got envy. You got drunkenness, you got sexual immorality, and he's writing to believers. Sexual immorality, and you've got all of these evil and wicked things that, are, that we're being bombarded with, and not just the world, but in our own personal lives. Christians are dealing with some things that uh, we might come to church on a Sunday morning, and we sit in church, and we say, God, you know, I have these things and I need you to lift them off of me. I need you to lift them off of me. And so like yesterday, like I stated yesterday, sometimes we have to be careful because when we're spiritually complacent, what we do is we take the church and we take Sunday and we take Wednesday and we use it as medication. We use the church as medication. Medication is not uh, absolute, it's temporary. Medication is temporary relief. It just gives you enough relief to be able to give you some rest and then it, it's gonna come back. Whatever you're trying to get relief from, it's going to come back. And so we have to wake up so that we're not using church as medication because God is not an enhancer. He is a life changer. He is a healer. He is a deliverer. So we have to cast off the works of darkness. And we have to put on the armor of light. What does it mean to put on the armor of light? Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. We are to model and fashion our lives as Christ did in, in the word of God. When we look in the word of God and we see the, the, the work of Christ uh, leading up to his work on the cross, we are to mimic that behavior in our lives. It's our job to make Christ clear and visible to the world. And so we have to, with all that is in us, strive to live in Christ and do as he did. With all that is in you, model his works, and more importantly, model his love. Romans 5, 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned by one 
much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in the life by one Jesus Christ. The Amplified reads, for if by the trespass of the one, speaking of Adam, death reigned through one, Adam, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in eternal life through one Jesus Christ. What a promise to those who love Christ. We can triumph over sin's power and over the threat of death through the power and protection of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 2, 1, 4 through 6 says, and ye and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places. Paul is talking about our old sinful nature. He emphasizes that we do not need to live any longer under sin's power. The penalty of sin and its power over us were destroyed by Christ on the cross. Through faith in Christ, we stand acquitted. That means we're not guilty. We're not guilty before God. God does not take us out of the world and make us robots. We're not robots. We will still feel like sinning. And sometimes we will. The difference is that before we became Christians, we were dead to sin and slaves to our sinful nature. But now we are alive with Christ. So awake, people of God, it's time to reign and rule over the powers of darkness. The way that we can reign and rule over the powers of darkness is when we understand and accept and know our true identity in Christ. We are justified. We are declared not guilty of sin according to Romans 3 and 24. There is no condemnation that awaits us according to Romans 8 and 1. We are set free from the law of sin and death according to Romans 8 and 2. We are sanctified. We are made holy in Jesus Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 1 and 2. We are pure and holy in Christ, according to 1 Corinthians 1 and 30. We are new persons. We are made right with God. We are one in Christ with all other believers. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. We are holy and without fault. We are adopted as God's children. Our sins are taken away and we are forgiven. We are God's masterpiece. We share in the promise through Christ. We can come from freedom and confidence in God's presence. We are members of Christ's body, the church. We have been given fullness in Christ. This is our identity. This is our true identity as believers. 
and we've got to know who we are in Christ. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for a church without a spot or wrinkle. He requires that we be clean on the inside as well as the outside. And he's not, in terms of our individual walk with Christ, he's looking at us as one individual and then together collectively as a body of Christ. We are the church, and our lives should reflect Christ. We are the light of the world. We are living epistles, read of men. We must stay alert. We can't afford to sleep. Our world is in a bad way. We look at social media, and social media provides so many different opportunities, and it brings so many different things to the forefront. It exposes not only you, but your young people, your, your, your children. You gotta be careful allowing your kids to be on the iPad, what they watch, what they see, the things you allow them to be exposed to, the places you allow them to go. It is your responsibility to protect your children. Spiritual complacency, we've gotta wake up. You can't allow your kids to do everything. You can't allow your kids to go everywhere. You can't, don't, you, you, should, you should have blocks on your social uh, networks. Tell them to pull those earbuds out of their ear. Some of y'all trying to figure out what's wrong with them, it's because you're not connected to the things that they're being exposed to in their lives. Take those earbuds out. Let me listen to what you're listening to. What is that? Why he's saying that? Why he talking like that? What that mean? What about what he's saying draws you? Why are you attracted to this? Wake up. We're asleep. I don't allow my kids to go on. They got a kid's YouTube. I, no, no, I don't allow them to go on there. I looked at that thing one day, that some grown man playing with two, two, uh, some dolls. Said the blood. <laughs> don't, get that off my iPad. And then when they grow up and now they start, all those different, because we're asleep, spiritual complacency, and we have to be careful that because uh, we didn't care too much for going to church when we was young and our parents made us come to church, then we give our children the opportunity to decide whether or not they're going to come to church. Your job as their parent is to instruct them beyond their wants and needs. Your job as their parents is your responsibility to tell them what they need and not what they want. Because the problem is those kids grow up into adults. Because we have a whole lot of adults go with every wind and doctrine, don't know what their spiritual identity is, 
That is not your responsibility to put your, your, your uh, philosophy and your, uh, what is it, the things that bother you. And I couldn't stand that when I was little, so I'm not going to do that to my children. I'm not going to make my children go to church. You better bring them in the house of the Lord. You better let them sit up under this praise and this worship. You better let them uh, be taught about who Jesus is and the love of God. Spiritual complacency. Our young people, they got a whole, and they're doing stuff. My God, help me. They're doing it in elementary school. It's stuff elementary school teachers tell me, and I said, I don't know how you go to work every day. You got third graders doing that? You got, and how do they learn? Behavior is a, behavior is a, is learned. When my children were born, they didn't know nothing. Everything they know at this point, and they are three and five, is because of what they have seen my husband and I do, the environments we have taken them in, the things that we have allowed them to be exposed to. That's all they know at this point. And I said, God, I bless you. When I heard my five-year-old singing, I owe you praise, I said, yeah, you give it to him, baby. You, you owe him praise. At five, you owe him praise. Lord, I am so thankful every day. I owe you praise. I said, sing it, baby. You sing that. You owe him praise. God is wonderful. He's mighty. He's bigger than anything you can think of. You got to begin to plant that seed in your children. Because if you don't, somebody's going to plant a seed. Somebody's going to plant it. And guess what? You the one going to have to deal with the growth of that seed. You're going to have to deal with it. We have to do a better job. We got to wake up. We can't be sleep. The devil wants to sift you like wheat. He is defeated, so that joker, he works on you. Because if he can get to you to believe in the midst of your hurt, in the midst of your pain, he'll take that and he'll move in in your thoughts. And he'll begin to suggest things in your thoughts. To and his whole purpose is to draw you further and further and further back from the will of God. Further and further back from the love of God. Further and further back into bitterness, into uh, uh, hatred, into hostility and unforgiveness. Casting off the works of darkness and putting on the armor of light. What a friend we have in Jesus. All of our sins and griefs he'll bear. What a privilege to carry everything to the Lord in prayer. The basic fundamental uh, things at the church, you as an individual, because we're in a physical building right now, but you're, you are the church. There are some people that they are not going to walk through those doors. They're not coming to church. So they look at your lifestyle. They look at your ways. They look at your actions. Do they reflect God? Do they reflect light? Are you the salt of the earth? We've got to wake up. 
And we've got to stop coming in here and getting full on the word and then going home and resting. We come in here to get full so that we can go out and do the work. And do the work. We've got to do the work. The Bible says, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You can't draw nobody if you got a whole bunch of mess inside of you. Hurt and pain. We got to wake up. We got to stop coming in here and going, church was so good. We got to stop coming here thinking, I just need to get to the house of the Lord, and then I'm going to feel better. No, you need to take this and apply it to your life. God transforms you. We've got to refocus. We've got to start praying. We've got to start reading our Bible. We've got to start fasting. And you don't have to fast food. Some of y'all need to fast social media. Fast those things that are your day-to-day, -day, that you think is your day-to-day -day necessity. Well, I got to do that today. That's the thing you fast. Because some of y'all, you don't eat all day anyway. So fasting ain't going to help you. That's your daily routine. Fasting means to bring your flesh under subjection to the power of the Holy Spirit. And we have to pray every day, God, stir me. Stir the Holy Spirit in me. There's one baptism, but many feelings. God, fill me up till I overflow. Fill me up, God. Fill me up. God, order my steps, God. Let me be right. Let me be true. I want my ways to please you. After you finish giving him the glory when you open your eyes in the morning, I dare you to do that, and I promise you, you'll begin to see a change in your life. But we're not praying like we should. We become codependent. And the problem is, is that man is not going to always be there for you. We can't be everywhere. We can't be all things. God fits there. Christ Jesus fits there. The power of the Holy Spirit fits there. So we've got to wake up and we have to be alert. The only way that we're going to rule over the powers of darkness is when we go to battle in prayer and we know what the word of God says. That's our only weapon. So when the enemy comes in and he places or he works on situations that are going on in your life and he begins to uh, use those thoughts and use that confusion or that hurt or that pain or that misunderstanding, he'll move in. The mind is the battlefield where the enemy wages war. So if you don't know the word of God, you lost already. It is the only weapon that we have, period. So when the enemy comes in, you shoot back the word of God. When the enemy tells you this, you tell him what the word of God says. And you speak that thing until you believe it in your heart. Sometimes everything you say is not going to match up with what you feel. Well, I'm saying it, but I don't feel it. As Christians, we live by faith. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Those that come to him must believe that he is 
and that he is a rewarder to them who diligently seek him. Diligently seek. A rewarder of him diligently seek him. Not something happening in my life, so Lord, I need you to fix this thing for me right now because it's bothering me. Spiritual complacency. We have to be in relationship so that we are connected with God and we can be in tune to what he wants to say to us and what he wants us to do. We have to wake up because we've been blindsided and getting beat up by the enemy. And there's no need for that when Christ, his work on the cross makes us free we are guiltless. He paid the price. And then not only did he pay the price, but he gave us all power over the enemy. He came to destroy the works of the enemy. They're destroyed. The enemy is defeated. He's lost. But if you don't know that, he can make you think he's winning. That joker's day is over. And Jesus is coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He is coming back. Will you be ready? When I was a little girl, that's all I used to hear them preach. Jesus is coming. You thought he was coming tomorrow. The, he says our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. That, he's talking about Christ coming back for his church. And we've got to occupy ourselves, be busy doing the work of the Lord and preparing for his return. Amen. All right, let us stand to our feet.